it is really important that um, we share really honestly where we went wrong, what didn't work, what did work, what we've got now, uh, and how great life is. It is possible to move on from being an active addiction. We're on Instagram, which is the underscore Dynamo Project. I think, are we, what else are we on? Drugs. No. <laughs> are we? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want that in there. You know, I couldn't keep picking up that first key ring and telling everyone that I've relapsed again. I can't get it. Why can't I get it? It's so painful. Yeah. How did he know? I think I he trapped me. You wouldn't have found me. I never, <laughs> I never knew where I was. So you ain't got a chance, mate. <laughs> Once I opened up and started talking honestly and freely about these things, it took that pain away. Yeah, I've hit my two years today, so to be sat here doing a podcast and I've hit my two years clean day is, yeah, it's just so surreal, man, to look, look back where I've come from to where I am now. How are we all? We're good. Yeah, good, man. Pete, how are we? Always good. How's your week been? Ah, it's been, you've been there, so you know. Yeah, fantastic. Then. <laughs> it's been all right. Yeah. <laughs> Testing as usual. It's actually been all right this week. So far, so good. No one's going to ask me, so I'm going to tell you when my week's been fantastic. I feel really chilled after my holiday. Yeah. I've been seeing a difference in me, Pete. Yeah. I'm on holiday next week. <laughs> I'm hoping I have the same effect, it has the same effect on me when I come back. I'm... I said something to you the other day, and you were like, ah, don't worry about it. I thought, wow, what's happened here? Enjoy it, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Great opportunity to welcome our latest guest, uh, Lewis. Uh, this is now episode number three, so me and Pete are pretty well-tuned now on the podcast, aren't we, Pete? Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> getting there slowly. Starting to feel normal. Yeah, so Lewis, we're delighted that you decided to come on we spoke about it some time ago didn't we about you yeah, coming. yeah. Well, it's actually months and months ago but we'll go into that yeah. a bit later on but how, how do you feel about being on a podcast good you know um it's a bit of a surreal day yeah i've hit my two years today so to be sat here doing a podcast and i've hit my two years clean day is yeah it's just so surreal man to look look back where i've come from to where i am now now i i could have asked you to come on a podcast at any date yeah i had no idea what today was for you yeah, personally man. and to ask you to come on the podcast on the actual day you're two years clean yeah you know some may say it's coincidence some well, it's may say it's not it's meant to be and it's i think i couldn't believe it when you told me yeah i didn't yeah. want to jinx it because you hadn't reached two years yet no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but you have reached two years yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's amazing isn't it yeah. Yeah. and i asked you before what does it feel like to be two years clean and that... yeah it, it's surreal it's uh, you know it's Feels like one of the, the the one of the biggest achievements you know I've I've ever got in life. I struggle to get two days clean, sometimes two hours. You know, to to, to do two years to even say it, it just yeah, it's so surreal, man. When when I reached two years clean, and I'm not saying this is the same for you, I it felt like a bit of an anticlimax for me because I've been building for this. Yeah, yeah, where we go is the black key ring. I know that might that makes sense to what some of our listeners, but that's yeah. we get key rings, don't we? Yeah. And the black one represents multiple years of recovery. Yeah. I never thought I'd ever get a black key ring. And then you get it and it's, oh, you know, you build something or so much. How I do had, you feel, Pete? I had you that reached? from the first year. And I remember the first, when I come up to one year, I thought that I would be 
after 12 months, I'd get this one year key ring and I thought I would be really settled. My mind would be clear and I'd be perfectly sane. And I thought I better message other people. And I messaged a guy in recovery and I said, how did you feel when you were one year clean? This guy's 28 years clean at the time. And he said, just still insane. And I thought, that's all right then. Yeah, Because I, I felt exactly that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no, I definitely had that on the first year. Yeah. You know. Second was different. But first, that yeah. I got the anticlimax to like what you spoke about, where I thought there was going to be a wake up in the morning and there's going to be a new me and it's going to be everything's different. You ain't going to have no worries. And like, I don't know, just I thought I'd be this Zen person. Yeah. I thought the baggy clothes are coming out and it's going to be different me. And I woke up and it was just me again. Yeah. I was yeah, just yeah. like, but I got a new key ring. Yeah, yeah. I looked on my phone and no one had congratulated me and I thought, bastards. Is that true? About is that true? Yeah, 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 yeah. That is true, yeah. It was only about six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, your birthday. Do you think everyone's going to be up to you? Your birthday. Yeah. Yeah. How we do our podcast, Lewis, is that we obviously, we're here to talk about addiction. Yeah. We're here to talk about recovery. We're here to talk about things that are important to you. Uh, we obviously, we want to know where you've been yeah. to where you are now, because that contrast is a really good message for our listeners. Yeah, man. Um, but how we do start our podcast is we always start with a question left from the previous guest. Right. So our previous guest, David, left a question. And for the life of me, I can't believe Pete actually remembered what the question was. So <laughs> I, forgot. I don't so, know why I remember. <laughs> so it I'm going gonna, gonna to kindly ask Pete to ask you the question Dave left. And then so we'll go Dave would like to ask you, so would we, where do you find the courage nowadays to talk about your story and talk about what happened to you, you know, for others or for yourself? But where do you... Where do you dig deep to, to, to be courageous to, to talk about this stuff sort of thing? I'd say it's the, the carrying that message and helping other people that have been in my situation. You know, um, I'll get that. Yeah, when when I first come in, I, I had loads of secrets. Like I'm sure many of us do. And I'd never spoke about things. And it wasn't until I heard other people sharing the things that I'd been through mm. that gave me the courage to then open up. And once I opened up and started talking honestly and freely about these things, it took that pain away, you know? So I feel that sharing my story and my pains will help other people lose their pain and get the courage to be able to share the, the traumas or whatever it may be that they have been through. Yeah. You know, so that is where, where I find that courage. You know, and It's quite common, isn't it? And I've heard people speak, like you've just said, about stuff that I thought I'd never be able to speak about. And then when they did it, I did it, and I felt better. Yeah. It seems yeah, to pass yeah. it on, doesn't it? Yeah, man. Some of the stuff I heard in early recovery, I thought, how is that man sat in a room of 40 people and just just spoke about that stuff that's happened to him? I just didn't. I, I thought, Where, how are you doing this? You know what I mean? Yeah. But it yeah. does. Once people do it, that seems to be in, like, in a meeting, the whole room starts to be really honest. It sort of like yeah. promotes, honesty promotes more honesty, and it's like, People heal from it, so yeah. yeah. And every time I I speak about it, you know, I, I release more of that pain. Yeah, and it gets easier and easier the more I talk about it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Have you ever had someone uh, talk about something that's in your head? You know, when you have a thought in your head and you hear somebody else talk about the exact same thought that was unique to you. Loads of times. Yeah, it's yeah. mad, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 100%. It's like they're in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like them intrusive thoughts that you, you just bang away all the time and then suddenly someone talks about yeah. it and you're like, wow, it's not, it's not just me. I'm not just crazy. You know? <laughs> and that's what it is. Sometimes it's a thought when you hear it, you think that you were the only person to ever think that. And 
you don't feel so alone in it all. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. It seems to be the way, doesn't it? Do you think addicts think they're unique? Yeah, some do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, just definitely, us. definitely. And then that illusion shattered, and that's why this podcast is so important. Yeah. Because there's people out there who do genuinely believe that they have no one, and they yeah. are on their own. But by listening to a podcast, they may have that experience where you may say something today, and they're like, fucking hell. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, And it yeah, might give definitely. them the courage to come forward, won't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think it helps as well, because there's I meet a lot of people, and I have over the last few years, who think these... Bad things have only happened to them. They carry it around with them. They they can't get clean because they think, well, that didn't happen to you. So once once they meet people who've been in similar situations and have got clean, they have they have no excuses. It's sort of like it's like, well, it happened to him and he doesn't use anymore. So I it's sort of I don't know. It brings them on in the recovery. Yeah, that's what I've found. I've I've met certain people who have said to me, well, that you know what happened to me didn't happen to anyone else. And, you usually find that it has. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's okay. You know what I mean, it's all right. So let's talk about Lewis. Where you're from? How how your upbringing was? Your formative years. Go into yeah, a bit well, of detail. So yeah, I was born in Coventry. A big thing for me was my childhood traumas. So I'll just go straight into the back with my childhood traumas because I yep. found once I managed to talk about them, that that helped me sort of release some of my pain and start to move forward. Now, not everyone has had traumas that, that get into addiction. Um, you know, it's whether some people say you're born with it, some people say you don't, I don't know. But all I know is I carried feelings from them traumas that I tried to hide from and I use drugs to hide from them. Um, so yeah, my first, the first major trauma I can really remember um, with my parents splitting up. How old were you then, Lewis? Uh, in my head, I tell myself I was four, but yeah. from speaking to family, I found out I was six, Yeah, which I don't know why that is, but I try and remember back to times like where my parents would have been together, like at Christmas or a birthday, you know, and I'd be running into the bedroom with a present. But every time I remember that visually, all I can ever see is my mom and my dad there. I can never see them together. You know, I can never picture them being together. Um, so I know that that was quite a traumatic time for my, my mind to shut that out you know and then moving on from that was um going into school um in year two i got diagnosed with dyslexia you know and straight away that was it they were taking me out of the class and trying to teach me differently to the other kids um i remember they got my mum in there to try and teach me how to read and you know straight away i started feeling different at a very young age you know and then i started moving around schools because that school couldn't teach me so i'll go to another one where they've but a, a special needs room and teacher where they, again, they're taking you out of the classroom. And, you know, that, this happened all the way through my schooling. Um, you know, I was constantly changing schools. And, you know, the you longest... feel isolated at an early age? Um, not so much isolated, but different. Different, yeah. Yeah, I was put in word. a classroom with four of the kids and then all the other kids, the normal kids, as I was calling them, as I was growing up, were in the classroom together, you know, and it was always, why am I different? Why am I being taken away? What is this dyslexia? Why can't I learn? I used to get really frustrated. And uh, while all this was going on as well, my mum had the, the disease of addiction. You know, she, she was uh, an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, and obviously that meant for a very unstable childhood at home. You know, there were so many things going on in that house that shouldn't have been going on while I was there. And stuff that a child of my age shouldn't have been seeing, 
you know, or hearing, any child should be hearing no matter what the age, you know, so that was, it was really hard and I always tried to protect my mum, no matter what, you know, my dad had gone off and remarried and um, then I had a stepbrother and they were all separate in their lifestyle and I was with my mum and my mum used to let me do anything I wanted to do. You know, and at a young age, that was, oh, I want to be here. I want to protect that. So I stayed away from my dad. So I used to go see him at weekends. So I'd always be with my mom. And no one could ever say bad about her. You know, even though there was all these bad things going on, um, no one could ever say bad. I'd always try and protect. I know social services were involved a couple of times. No matter what question I'd ever asked by anyone, I would always protect her. There was a lot of stuff going on, even, even to the point I, I ended up getting sexually abused uh, by my mom. Um at the age of nine, you know, and this is one of them painful traumas that I like to talk about because other people need to know that you can talk about these things, you know, because it, it released so much pain. You know, I, I carried that until I come into recovery at the age of 32. And then I think even when I come into recovery, I still carried that for another year until I managed to open up about it, you know, and the pain I carried with that was unbelievable, you know, and I never told anyone. I even I remember even the next day my mum coming to me saying she'd done something really bad and I was like I, I, you've done nothing mum I can't remember again trying to protect her yeah. you know so uh, all of this was going on you know and it was a very very traumatic time and you know I ended up going to a boarding school um, for dyslexic kids and I'd done two years there and then I'd, I'd had enough after them two years you know and I, I'd done a runner. Yeah, the same old thing I always used to do, run away from my problems, you know. And I've done a runner from that school, and that was in end of year nine, start of the year 10. And then that was it then. I just never went back to school, you know. So then then last two years of schooling, when I've been doing GCSEs and everything, I was knocking around on, on the estate with all the older lads. Where do you grow up in, Carl? In Tyler. In Tyler, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have a question for you. You know, you, you're a dyslexic at school. You have issues learning, and they took you out of a class and put you in another class. Yeah. Did that have an effect on on as as you grow up into an adult on your reaction to criticism? I think How I would you... say I used to criticise myself yeah. worse than anyone else could. You know, as an adult, you're. How would you react to, to any any kind of criticism? I only ask because I had big I, issues. I have real issues with any kind of criticism. It's not so much now, but I have had it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd hate to do anything wrong. Mm. Anything wrong, you know. I would do anything to please people, mm. you know, and make sure that they were happy. I'd mm. put everyone ahead of me. And I suppose that was avoiding that criticism, mm. you know, never trying to do wrong at work, you know, Are make you sure I'd led. Yes, yeah. I, I am I was very, very easily yeah. led. Are you, Pete? Uh, yes and no. I don't think you're to my level. Of being no, I'm not. Led. Sometimes I'm, yeah, it's, it... I'm one extreme to the other, depending on who I am on that certain day, to be honest. Yeah. But I can be. I do anything to seek approval. It, it depends who it is. You know, I, I had this big thing of moving from that. When I, when I was on that estate and knocking around with the older lads, you know, I used to float around through different groups of people. You know, like one day I'd be the chav on the estate and then the weekend come mm. and I'd be the goth down the skate park, you know, painting my fingernails black. I would literally just switch and switch. Did you and feel I, like a, you're playing a character? Almost, yeah. I didn't know who I was, but I could easily mould myself into that group. And then I would always look for the person that was like the, the top of that group and I would people please to them. 
I'd bef- yeah. befriend them and I'd want to be that person. Like yeah. and, and that's that's who I'd be easily led by. That's so, that's social that's chameleon. Exactly what I'm like. Yeah. It's weird. You say yeah, what's yeah. in my head. <laughs> <laughs> social chameleon. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah can be. But the one person I couldn't be was Kieran because I was scared people wouldn't like him. Yes. But then the people the person I was pretending to be, they didn't like him. Yeah. I, I didn't know who, who Lewis was. I didn't no. know who I was. You know, I was that confused and dragged to that many different places. And yeah, all all I did know is one way to get liked was the person that could drink the most or the person that could take the most drugs, you know. Yeah, yeah. Person that could play up. Yeah, this is it. And that's what, you know, straight away you liked, you know. Can I ask you something now? Yeah. How does that situation with your mum, how do you feel about your mum now? Um, I'm asking. You know, I've forgiven her. I know that she had the disease of addiction. I know that wasn't her, you know. For years, I've seen her in and out of treatment and, you know, fighting this disease, you know. And she could have a month to two months sober where she was the nicest caring person. And then she could have two months where she's solid using, you know. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was hard. Because on one hand, there's this lovely woman, but then on the other hand, and I didn't understand it then. But now, you know, now I understand it, you know. And... It, it got it got so bad at one point, you know, the, the last four years of her life, um, I never spoke to her. You know, I didn't didn't speak to her because I couldn't physically, you know, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with the way you are. But then I was just as bad. I was sat in a flat, literally over the road from her flat, using, but didn't want to have any, didn't want to have anything to do with that because I couldn't deal with the way she was, and she'd had a drink. You had you, you had know. you've been through a lot as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people say that, but that's that's my childhood, yeah. you know. And and Can't like, like, yeah, like I said, you know, traumas can be so many different levels, but the feelings are still the same. You know, some people can have serious traumas. Some people can have what other people would say are not serious traumas, but you know, it's all down to them feelings, and them feelings are the same no matter what the trauma. You know, so I found we sometimes become what we're trying to escape from. Right, that's what happened. I felt. Yeah. People who are close to me on drugs and stuff and around when I was younger. And then I hated it and then I become it and hated me because I'd hated what I'd become. Yeah. It's, it's like this sight, it's weird, but it's really common, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's happening everywhere. Yeah. It's just, you, you really don't want to be somewhere and you really, you know, you slate it all day long and slowly become it. And then you are what you, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you are the monster. Yeah, yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Do you, how old were you when you first took a, a drug? Do you remember? I think Pete was about four. Is that right, Pete? How old were you, Pete? <laughs> four or five. <laughs> uh, I wasn't that young. No, I, I think I'd say the first first drug I took, I'd have been about 12, 13, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first mind-altering substance. And that was boarding school or just after? Um, Just before. Four maybe before. might have been just before, just before, or when I just started. I think it was just before. You know, I remember Muscat. I remember it now. That it was a drink. I still, I can't say I've ever seen it since. You know, but it was a bottle that was in my mum's cupboard, Muscat. And I remember pouring it out and tipping one out and pouring it in and topping it back up with water and I had this hip flash, this <laughs> hip flask bottle. Went down to the park and yeah, ended up smoking a draw spliff and drinking this bottle. And yeah, I sick. was so ill. I was say, was you sick? So yeah, yeah. Ill, yeah, but I ended up falling asleep with my head in the toilet, you know, locking the door. What and happened then. to draw? 
<laughs> Who knows? I was Who talking knows? about draw earlier. It's, <laughs> it's like a bit of a myth now, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's yeah. Like, that's there's a block, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's solid, yeah. Like, <sighs> it stopped being so valuable, so people stopped selling it. That's what happened to draw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. we took people over. still smoke it? Yeah, probably, yeah. You've got to find it, probably. It's an antique drug, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like some 20, old boy somewhere. Yeah, with a big block of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So as we're into your late teens now, what's what's your your, your personal situation? What you, what's your, your um, network like? Well, like I say, I was jumping around all these different groups, yeah. um, and I latched onto the skaters. You know, it was I found another. This was another thing that took me away from myself was my skating. You know, that adrenaline rush I was getting. You know, and I, I almost felt part of a community. Yeah. Um, you know, so as soon as I found that, I remember the, the day I met one of my old friends in town, I moved out of my house and when I lived on his floor, you know, the day I met him, I left home, took my drawer, yeah. <laughs> I took my drawer around and a little tin, yeah, 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 when so I met your friend, yeah, that same day, moved into his house. Moved his house, yeah, yeah, slept on his bedroom floor. Yeah. You say you're a compulsive person. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, definitely. Obsessive compulsive. Yeah, yeah definitely. we are, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We are obsessive, obsessive compulsive. Hundred percent. How did it go, your mates? It's all right. It was fun. You know, it was a good crack. You know, smoking all the time, skating in the day. You know, how, how old were you here? Fifteen, sixteen, sort of like getting that little bit older. When you're sixteen, a floor will do, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, you lay yeah. your hat. And I was there, like I say, I was there till I think it was yeah. not. I was there nineteen when I moved out of his his place. <laughs> You know, so I lived on the floor for all this time, and there again, it was yeah, it was just, it was madness. It was like everything always, always changed from drink to drugs, and but it was all fun back then. You know, it was all having the laugh. This is what we we like to get across that some of our using was fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved some of mine. Yeah, yeah. I at the really start, did. man. At the start, it was it was I amazing. It. I might have felt like I fitted in. I had no feelings. It was yeah, it was great. You know. No worries. No. That's what it is. Yeah. When I think back to me, I think, no worries. There was not much consequence. We're all laughing. It's just, uh, there was not a care in the world. Obviously, yeah. a lot of the people stopped, though. We didn't stop. No, no. I was we wouldn't be sat here, would we, really? No. I couldn't understand why people went home the same night they went out in. Yeah, yeah. I, I had it with, with, yeah. this, with this lad, you know, we'd be out downtown. He would go home. I'd still be out of town until everywhere's shut. Yeah, and then I'd go back and I'd climb up his drain pipe and bang his window and try and drag him out on the sesh. Yeah, not to get him, to get him out. Yeah, 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 <laughs> to get him out. Like, the, the, the insanity of it, you know. Like, Why didn't you go through the front door? No, I don't know. I woke up in his <laughs> greenhouse. It'd been, I, one, 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 I remember it one morning, woke up with my head in a plant pot and my legs hanging out the bottom of this greenhouse, soaking wet. Because like it had been pissing down the rain, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, the insanity of it all, man. Where I could have just gone Picture that, Pete. Looking at your bedroom window, him banging on the window. That's to go out the set. <laughs> Shit yourself in the middle of the night. You wouldn't have to ask him twice. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be in. <laughs> You'd be there. You're wasting your time. <laughs> What was boarding school like? Tough. <laughs> was it? Yeah, real tough. Um, because I'd finally been taken away from my mum, where I didn't want to go away from, where there was no rules. I could do what I want. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was young, I wanted to be there all the time because I could do what I want. You know, and, Understandable at the time. Yeah. Um, 
And this boarding school, it was for dyslexic people. It was a private boarding school, so they could have their own rules. And they were strict. You know, every day there was like, you'd have to stand at the end of your dorm, then make sure your bed's folded properly or your clothes are folded properly. Oh, you, okay. couldn't, you couldn't have certain music. You weren't allowed like chewing gum. If they caught you with chewing gum, you used to get fined five pounds for every piece of chewing gum. It was mad. You, you, if you got caught smoking, you'd get six Saturday datings, which is a Saturday detention. Wow. And it was like, and that, that ran from 10 in the morning till four in the afternoon. And, and you then, get six of them for one fag? One fag. I had, oh. I had endless. Yeah. Yeah, it was like there was no end to my, to my yeah. Saturday datings. Like, yeah. Infinite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably one of the reasons I ran away from the yeah. place, to be honest. <laughs> so you jogged on from there, you ran away. Yeah, yeah. Where'd you go? Funny story, actually, you know, that so many people used to run away and always get caught by the head teacher but really like obsessive i obsessed about it for about two weeks and i built all this plan up to when the where it'd be the longest time without them noticing me being there you know and i managed to plan it out and i think there was about four hours gap i managed to get away with you know and i, I dragged another lad with me and uh went straight to the train station it was in litchfield and obviously i had to get back to cov so straight to the train station yeah managed to jump the train and i got to New Street Station in Birmingham. And I remember standing there, I was on the phone. My mate was on the phone. I was speaking to my mom, telling her that I was coming back and everything. Or it might have been my girlfriend at the time. I can't quite remember. And then someone just grabbed us around the back of the neck. And like, oh yeah, I just froze, turned around it, and it was my dad. I'll never forget it. Like, how did he know we were there? He, you know, just thought like me from Litchfield to Birmingham to Coventry on the train, easiest way. So you've been yeah. it for two weeks and he bungled you in a matter of hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a matter of hours. <laughs> Everyone else who got caught was caught by the head teacher. But <laughs> yeah. no, I managed to escape the head teacher, but not my dad, man. My dad got me. You know, he and he, yeah. Yeah, he took me, same. Yeah, and he took took me straight straight back to my the dad found school. me many times when I skipped school. Yeah. Many times. I couldn't not anywhere I went, he would just know where I was. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh. I don't know. How do they know? I think know. like us. Yeah. I even went to a graveyard once. Who yeah. would find me in a graveyard? And I just saw his just saw his head popping up in the distance. I was like, fuck it, no. How did he know? I think I he trapped know. me. You wouldn't have found me. I never, <laughs> I never knew where I was. So you ain't got a chance, mate. So I know that you came into recovery at 32. Yeah. yeah obviously, yeah. our listeners don't know that. And we will go into that in a little bit more detail. Yeah. I, I think going into recovery is one of the hardest <sighs> things you can do. It's such an emotional roller coaster, but we're yeah. gonna we're gonna touch upon that in a little bit. Yeah, you know. So, um, you know, in terms of in your twenties and whatnot. Yeah. You know, how did that time go for you? We were. It was all right. It was all right. Yeah, I was working. I was working, and I was also selling weed. You know, I had. It was quite strange. Again, it was that chameleon thing. You know, I got a job, a very successful business. I ended up. It was my granddad asked me if I wanted a job and I was like, I'll tell you what, I'll be back in touch with you. And I went out for two weeks on the lash, mad lash and ended up going back to him. I was like, you know what? I'll take you up on the job. And it was, um, no, I've run out of money. <laughs> I never have money anyway, but, Good plan. um, it, it was like buying and selling disused car parts. I knew nothing about cars, nothing yeah. about buying and selling apart from weed, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've gone into this business and he's like, right, I want you to learn about brake calipers. I want you to find suppliers and find uh, buyers, you know? So I set about doing it and I was there for 10 years, you know, and in that 10 years, I managed to build a whole section up that holds, what, 120,000 units on stock. It was making 1.2 million pound sales turnover a year. I had a team of 
three, four lads underneath me. You know, everything on the on the outside looked really good. Yeah. You know, but inside I was broken. You know, I was running around trying to please all these people all the time. As soon as I was out of there, I was back to bloody drug dealer Lewis that was there getting wrecked constantly, you know. But then as soon as I get back to work, it's like suit, tie or shirt or car whatever. Car parts Lewis. Yeah. Drug dealer Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Business Lewis. Drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and And... Yeah, I kept that up for quite some time, you know. And they they slowly started to merge together. I say I was probably about 27, 28 when they started to merge that's, together. That's a good point because they do merge. Because by day I was uh, police officer, Kieran. Yeah. And by night I was taking drugs. Yeah. And it's very hard. And then in the end, I just become, it just merged, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's become blurred. Well, it was. Before it before it had merged, you know, I mentioned about the skateboarding, this adrenaline fuel thing. You know, there was many other sides to me as yeah. well. You know, outside of work, you know, I, I got into graffiti at a very young age. Going out painting was a massive adrenaline buzz. You know, and again, it used to give me that feeling, take me away from myself, another release. Is you know, but you're looking over your shoulder in case the old bill are there. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's. <laughs> It wasn't just doing it on the street, you know. I took it to the highest level I could, and I was painting trains, you know. And I was—I was there moving. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you'd find where they—you find where they sleep. I, I would sit in train yards for two days on end, watching these trains, writing down security times, obsessing, being compulsive about it, you know, to the point where I wouldn't use my paint for anything but a train. People would be like, "Oh, you're going to come and do a painting?" Nah, no, this is for a train. You know, it's got that <laughs> obsessive about it. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, all of this other stuff was going on. I had a couple of court cases. I ended up in Crown Court. I nearly got uh, sent down for eighteen months for it. Uh, it was a five and a half grand in fines, um, year and a half on house arrest and tag, six hundred hours probation. You know, but I still go back and do it. Yeah. I still ended up back there doing yeah, it. You're you fucking know, fucking good at graffiti. Now, now I am. Yeah, now I am. But yeah, that, that'll pop. Very good, yeah. Um, and then another thing, you know, after all these police things, I sort of like put it to the side and, and then street racing become a thing. You know, I got my driving license and I got into modding my cars and building engines and, and doing street racing. You know, well, don't get me wrong, all this time I was still using, but it wasn't constant. You know, it was still that use at the weekends, still smoke, smoking weed constantly. All the time I had a spliff in my mouth. You know, even at work, I'd nip out at lunchtime just to have a joint, you know. It's that, that that followed me everywhere. Eventually, then weekends, like I say, when it merged in with work, they got longer and longer and longer, and the bills got higher and higher, and the debts got more and more, and, you know, I started losing my cars. I think at one point, I had three cars that were insured, and I could take a pick out of any day when I wanted to drive. And then the work van as well, company van. So I had all these cars outside, and you just see them slowly disappearing, you know, till I had no cars, and I just had the work van. You know, and then it started getting worse and worse. And like I said, they merged them Sunday, that Fridays, Saturdays, then ended up being Sundays, then ended up being Mondays, then a little break, then it was a Thursday, Friday, you know. It doesn't that, matter what day, does it? And then end. that progression, yeah. Um, and yeah, then on my 30th birthday, it was about two weeks before my 30th birthday, my mum passed away, you know, and that was that was a big change for me when that happened. Um how did how did you feel when your mum passed away? Is a number of mixed emotions. On yeah, it was it was hard to say because I was using so much. You know, um, you know, I mentioned I hadn't spoke to my mum for four years. Now this was some uh, sort of, I call it a higher power moment. It was a higher power moment for me 
I never knew it back then, but I know it now. You know, I hadn't spoke to my mum for four years. Two hours before she passed away, she rang me up and we had a civil conversation. Two hours before? Two hours before she passed away. And we had a full civil conversation for about 15 minutes, arranged to go around and have dinner. And that was unheard of for four years, you know. You hadn't spoke to her for four years no, before no, that conversation? No, there'd only been arguments. Only arguments. And then she rang me up and I don't know why, but we had a civil conversation for about 15 minutes. And then four hours later, I had a phone call from the hospital. Well, three, four hours later, saying that they had my mum there and I need to get to hospital quick. And they had her kept alive by a machine. Um, it was a disease of addiction that, that finally took her. She, she'd been drinking and she had a fall and banged her head mm-hmm. in, a, in her own house. You know, so at that point, got myself to the hospital, you know, and again, I've got a lot of, a lot of guilt around this and a bit, a bit of shame, you know, because I went into that hospital my nan was there as well. And I've gone in and sort of said my, my piece to my mum, said goodbye to her. They were like, we're only keeping her alive with the machines. And they said, look, do you want to come back when we turn the machine up? It's going to be about one o'clock in the morning. And I was like, no, nah, I've said my goodbyes. I'm out of here. I was there for about 15, 20 minutes and I was gone. I just wanted to pick up, you know. I got back home and I picked up. You know, and I used solid then solid every day day in day out i walked out of that business i've been in for 10 years a successful job i've manifested some stuff in my head telling me that you know they're not grateful for me you know that they're telling me i've only got a certain amount of time until i have to get back into work now at the end of the day there's people underneath me it's a big company you're you're, you're doing a searching for excuses to do what you want 100 percent, 100 percent. in our head it sounds so plausible doesn't it yeah and what i wanted to do was get rid of them feelings yeah i didn't want them feelings i just wanted to use day in day out you know and you're the person who's making the excuse and you're the person who's accepting the excuse it's sound isn't it yeah because you've made it up yeah. Okay, I'll accept that. Yeah. It's all you. You're so. accountable to yourself, aren't you? Of course. Yes. I made it up and it's all good. So we're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, how that, it is, isn't it? And, and yeah, so that, then that lasted three months. You know, that, that I, didn't, I didn't grieve properly for any of it. You know, I just, just kept doing and going and getting other people to help do stuff. I remember there's other lads that I'd have on the sesh. I'd get them around and sort them out with some gear and get them to go and clear out my mum's flat and sell, sell her stuff for me on marketplace because i couldn't go in there it's too painful for me i need to sit here with this big bag of coke yeah it you was pro- horrible. You probably you didn't know of any other way to deal with it like, no not so. at that time not at that that's time not at all. yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah what was the uh what was the turning point where the decision was made to either seek help or get this or try and stop a long way away from there yeah yeah a long way away from there you know that carried on yeah after that three months i then went to my dad um and sort of manipulated the situation so i could get a job you know i told him what i thought had happened at my old business and the way i've been treated at my old business still in my head it still seems like it was true and it that's actually how it happened but is it paul lewis yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and it's, still in my head i'm sure that that's how it happened but i don't know if it is you know it's like <laughs> who knows yeah yeah you know but then i so i've gone to my dad told him everything that's happened and he's gave me a job you know, and I thought, yeah, this is it. I'll be clean. I'll be clean. Nah, they just followed me, you know, and then I was using there. I found people that were at that company using. We were using together, you know, and then then I blamed it on the flat I was living in because I used to open my bedroom windows and I could see my mum's masonette flat out my window. Oh. It was like our garden's pretty much crossed. So I was blaming that, you know. So then I got taken away from there. 
And again, I managed to manipulate my dad into kicking one of the tenants out of his house and letting me rent that house off him. You know, I went there and again, it followed me. You know, I didn't, I didn't get myself clean and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't stop. And at this point, it was pretty much every day, you know, getting up the next day. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. I feel like shit. Go to work. Come, what, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. No, that's it. It's in my head. As soon as I get back, I'm getting, I'm picking up. Sometimes I'll get it delivered through my door. So when I'm back, it's there. You when, you, when you decide that's what you're going to do, it's very hard then not to yeah. do that, isn't it? Yeah. Especially when you don't know another way. Yes, 100%. 100%. And then... They're very driven people, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And then and then from that, it was then COVID hit. You know, and my missus was living in a, a separate house with her kids. And I was in my dad's house on my own. Yeah, you know, I got COVID. They can't come around. I've got COVID. I think mm. I must have been the only person that's had COVID for near enough three months. You know, it's literally like, you can't come around. I've got COVID. Whether I did or not, I don't know. But, you know, I hit the sesh hard then. You know, there was no one around. I was isolated in a house on my own. I'd get people to deliver stuff to my door through the letterbox. Oh, I've been there. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, not to your house. No, no. <laughs> I've had deliveries through my letterbox. Yeah, you know, and it's, uh, it got bad. It was my missus that obviously sort of realised something wasn't right. Um, and I think she rang up my dad and told my dad, you know, and they've reached out to me and come around the house and, yeah, seen, seen the state I was in, you know. I was in a real bad state, you know. During this time, I'd, I took on my mum's dog and the dog had passed away. Um, or one of my, my good friends took his own life. You know, there was a lot of things that I was holding on to and just sitting in this, this house on my own and using, you know, and also this house was my mum and dad's childhood house when I grew up, Yeah, you know, and I can't remember them being together in there, mm -hmm. but there was some bad vibes in that house that, you know, I wasn't, obviously wasn't enjoying and couldn't cope with, and it just fueled everything, you know. Internally, it sounds like you were broken. <laughs> yeah, I was broken. You know? my, my, perception of, my perception of life in, in active drug addiction was, this has happened to me, so I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. like, anything that's happened to me, it's like, I'm going to take it as right. This has happened to me. I'm going to use. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use. And then if I ever got into a position where I thought, how has it got so bad? Don't forget all that stuff's happened to you. Well, let's keep on using and let's yeah. justify it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the stuff that you're saying, the last couple of things you're saying, that would, to me would have been justification to carry on doing yeah, what I was doing. And if anyone asked me, I'd be like, don't even speak. Do you know what's happened to me? Do you know what's happening? Do you know yeah. where I'm living? Do you know who used to live in this house? Yeah. you seen all the death I've seen? No, you haven't. I'm worse. I'm, I'm using. That's yeah, me. 100%. And then it, it gets worse, doesn't it? Yeah. Worse and worse. Because like you just said, you were holding on to all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were holding on to it and it was killing you inside. Yeah. And no, no matter what, I couldn't stop. You know, it was my health. Yeah, I'd, I'd had, had an OD. I was I'd, when my mum passed away. I found all the uh, uh, codeine tablets, and I was taking them, drinking, sniffing, and I had, had an OD. That couldn't make me stop. My nose is yeah. I've got, my nose is fucked. Yeah, I've got. I've been for a, a cat scan, um, and I've got a hole that's three centimeters in diameter, um, and it's too far gone. They said they can't repair it. You know, and that that wouldn't make me stop. You know, I, I thought that I was going to die an addict. Obviously, I'd seen my mum go through all these different treatment centres, all these different things, and she never got it. And I thought, 
addicts don't get clean, you know. I thought, this is me. You say something similar, don't you, for you? Well, you've never seen anyone get clean, where you... Yeah, I've never, I never, I never seen anyone get clean. I never heard the word recovery. Yeah. I heard now and then some people would go to, you know, rehab. Very, very rarely. Um, but then they would come back and use. Yeah. People either died, they got long prison sentences, or they had long lives of active addiction. I didn't know anything else existed for most of my life until I accidentally found recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, you when you seen your your mother go through all these different treatments and it didn't work, for you was that you know concrete in your mind that you, there's no way out? Because in a way, yeah. But at the same time, my mum was drinking and I was using drugs and I had this hierarchy on drugs and alcohol was all right. You know, I can see it can break people, but alcohol was all right. I'm going to do drugs because I don't want to end up like my mum. That's that's where it originally all started. It was... Did you feel cannabis was okay as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, that, thought, I thought it cured everything. That's across the board, legal. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I, I had a guy say to me the other day, cannabis grows how can it be bad for you? Poppies grow. Yeah. Coca leaves grow. Yeah, it yeah. all grows. <laughs> yeah. Barley grows. Alcohol. It all grows. Yeah. It's the common thing, isn't it? It grows in the ground. It's going to be fine. For, for you, mushrooms. yeah, it all grows. It all grows, doesn't it? it? Everything grows, yeah. It all grows in the ground. Are we meant to have it then? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've heard. Yeah, but it's the the hierarchy is very common, isn't it? Alcohol yes. is okay. Cigarettes are fine. We all smoke. Yeah. And weeds is just weed. Yeah, yeah. It's just weed. It'd be fine. But that's not your story, is it? The weed. No. It was. It was one of my things that yeah, I carried yeah. all the way through. Yeah. But that was one thing. Once I put it down. I put it down, I managed to do about two months without it, then I come back to smoke it, and it just made me go weird. And I did not like it. Immediate psychosis, I used yeah, to get Yeah, yeah, and then I put it down, I never yeah. picked it up again. But the cocaine, that was different. The yeah. battle with that lasted a long time, you know. But, so, yeah, like I say, my dad had come round, and I had moved on from there. Uh, how did you feel when your dad and your missus were saying that there may be an issue here? They already knew there had been an issue yeah. in the past because I'd come clean about it and this was getting that house, moving into that yeah, house. Yeah. I'd come clean about it then and I managed to, I say managed to get three months clean. I didn't. I, I just moved elsewhere, you know. I, I put everything else down and just picked up the alcohol and I was in the pub every night, but that was socially acceptable. Yeah, yeah. You know, so for three months, I managed to just drink and do nothing else. It was fucking hard. Did you drink a lot? Not major. Just enough to make me get a bit wavy, just to feel a bit tipsy, you know. But it was it was hard, you know. But it eventually creeped back in, and it, it was all a secret then. It was all hidden from everyone because mm. I've been honest about it once. They think I've got clean, but I can't tell anyone. So then that become a secret. But then that that was that was just before COVID hit, and then when COVID hit, it just blew up, you know. Towards think, towards well, the sorry towards the end of my using, I used to drink every night, and it was just enough to take me out of myself. Mm. You know, just yeah. just enough to not feel like me. That was just that was enough for me. Yeah, just yeah. don't let me feel like me for the evening, yeah. and then I'll try and get some sleep. Yeah, yeah. I'll get that. I'll totally get it. It's like running away from that reality. Yeah, just That's enough, you know, not to bit, feel. Yeah. Just just so I don't have to sit with me for a bit. Just, yeah. just get me out of that. But it progressed. Yeah, same. <laughs> it progressed. Back to the darkness, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Back to the darkness. I think it'd be good for our listeners to to hear now about what made you go into recovery? Can you explain the circumstances right. of why you decided action needed to be taken? Well, 
And how you found the transition into that world? It was that point when my dad and that come round and found everything out. And he apologised to me and said that he obviously hadn't done enough the first time I come clean about stuff. Um, and he it's took it on himself. Family members to blame themselves. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but it was it wasn't it was me. Yeah. You of know. Um, but he he put me in touch with a drug counsellor. Yeah. Um, so I went went along to drug counselling, and again he started talking about this twelve step fellowship. Um, and straight away my barriers were up because I'd seen my mum go through all these different sort of things and never get clean. So my barriers were straight up. But because we'd just been through lockdown, there were Zoom meetings. Um, I remember which, them was, days. which was a blessing because in my therapy session that I'd gone along to, still broken, still using, he managed to put a Zoom meeting on, on his phone. And we sat there and he sat with me for my first meeting and it opened my eyes. He then gave me a phone number for someone from the meetings and said, go meet him, have a coffee, have a chat, which I did do. And then I went and met him at a meeting, you know, and that's what then opened me up to the fellowship. It's 12 step program. But I didn't get it, you know. I'd go once a week, thinking it would fix me. I kept relapsing, you know. And I, I was still doing my my um, therapy sessions. And I thought one meeting with a therapy session that'd be more than enough, you know. No. So then I'd up it again, go two meetings a week, you know. Still relapsing, you know. And this went on for about a year and a half, um, to the point where I couldn't get honest in the rooms anymore. You know, I couldn't keep picking up that first key ring and telling everyone that I've relapsed again. I can't get it. Why can't I get it? So painful. You know, but then sitting there dishonest was even more painful. But I've done it, you know, and, and I, I managed to get up to six months or telling people I was six months clean and I was still using. I've told people I was clean and still using. Yeah. You didn't that, Pete? I did it for years. Yeah. And and that pain was, was unreal. And it was like, the using them wasn't, yeah, it was horrible, you know. Secret and, using. Yeah, and I wouldn't even know how I got there, but I got there. Before you know it, I'll be sat in the car, I'll have a bag in my hand. Then I'm in a lay-by because I can't go home because of the missus and the kids. I've given up my house by this point and I was living with the missus and kids, so I couldn't go back. And then I'll be in a lay-by somewhere and then next me, you know, it's like two in the morning and I think there's someone in the bus watching me. That paranoia would get all over me. I'd, I'd climb through to the boot of the car and sit in the boot of the car, scared, using you know, why can't I stop this? This is horrible. It's how. And I just could not stop. And then eventually, you know, again, it progressed and progressed and progressed until the point where it told me, my, my addict head told me that my missus wasn't grateful for me and all the things I'd done around the house, you know, all the, all the help I give for the, her and the kids, which you, we should do, man. This is, you know, it's a relationship. We're a team. You're That's how it should be. To use. Yeah. And it took me out. I, I walked out on the missus for two weeks. And in them two weeks, I went straight back to my nan's. Uh, my nan wasn't very well, and I was telling people I was there, living there and caring for her. And reality was, I was upstairs in the bedroom using. While my nan was downstairs, she couldn't walk. You know, yeah. she was bed bound, and carers were coming in, and I was hiding in the bedroom upstairs. You know, and I got so much guilt and shame around that. But yeah, like like I said, I walked out. I walked out of that house, and within three hours, I was sat in a pub with a pint in my hand and bag in my pocket. Within a day. I found my nan's codeine tablets and it was like, I was back there. Back to square one. Back to where I was when I lost my mum and it scared the hell out of me. It took me a while, like I say, it was like two weeks solid 
to get through it and to be able to get honest. And I went to uh, a meeting with my therapist and I got honest with him. I rang up my sponsor, I got honest with him. You know, I went into a meeting and I got honest, you know, and I told them all that I'd been lying and I hadn't been honest for, for six months and I'd been picking these key rings up, told them how broken I was. And that was the day I fully surrendered, you know, and that was two years today, you know, well, and I, I was so broken more broken than I've been at any other point before. You needed to get to that point. Yeah, yeah I needed Maybe. to get there. You, you yeah. know, you say what you, you, you relapsed badly and it went straight back to the worst times, right? Yeah. People assume, this is what I'm seeing, people assume that they, they get clean, because this happened to me as well. This happened to you, probably happened to Kieran. It's no, it's no coincidence. The same thing happened to me. It went right back to the horriblest part immediately. Yeah. People have some clean time and that in their head they think if I go back to using it's going to go back to the social times when I was in my early 20s and yeah. late teens them good times are gone yeah by the time you get into recovery if you have to you know if you if you end up in recovery the good times are gone yeah they're not coming back if you go back out using it's going to be horrible that's the reason we all sit in a circle and talk about our feelings yeah man you think I want to go home on a Friday night and write about myself no I don't but I do do you know what I mean? Because the good times are gone, and I don't want them horrible times to come back. Yeah. But that happened to you. It happened to me as well. I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it another go, and I went back, and it was. I was. Horrendous. Why did we repeat that many times before we realised? Because we're stubborn. <laughs> we're stubborn, and we think we know best. Yeah, Our yeah. perception is still warped. We yeah. think we're going to get what we want because we want it. It's going to be different. This it's time, gone. Yeah, but... I, I used to say, I used to say I relapsed, but it was a myth. I didn't even stop using it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Relapse, is it? I didn't even no, stop. So no. someone said that to me before when I said I'd come back into recovery and I've relapsed. They said you've got to get clean to relapse, Pete. You are not. You weren't clean. I had the the, the old the hierarchy, like you said, because yeah. I was clean off certain drugs. <coughs> I classed myself as clean, even though I was still drinking, sniffing, and taking prescription drugs that weren't prescribed to me. Yeah, taking Valium, Xanax, Zopiprene every night. I had a massive addiction to pharmaceuticals. That was me clean in my head. Yeah. That was me clean because I was no, out of the true. dens. Yeah, yeah. I was asleep in meetings, <laughs> picking up key rings, and really, genuinely believing I'd crack the code. It was uh, it's insane, it's isn't it? Bullshit. That's it's what it was. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. insane. It That's is a good insane. word to describe, Pete. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. It is insane behaviour, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Let's let's talk about these two years in recovery. We've heard about. Oh yeah, these two years in recovery. Well, up and down. Up and down, highs and lows, you know. But and, and that's a good point to get across because just because you put the drugs down does yeah. not mean things are going to start going no, your way. No, we no, just can't go back to drugs now when things don't go our yeah, way. This is and it. That's the difficult thing to understand, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you have to you have to sit the feelings. Yeah, it's you, horrible, know, you have to it? you have to learn what feelings are. You know, I didn't know what anxiety was, but I do now. You yeah, know. Yeah. There's all these feelings. I didn't understand them first time I was getting them. I was scared. I wanted to run from them, but I couldn't. You know, so what did I do? I went to a meeting and spoke about it, you know. Mm -hmm. But in these two years, you know, I've managed to open up my own business, which is a massive thing, you know. And Tell us, tell us about your business. Well, uh, um, a professional graffiti artist, you and know. I've managed, a really good one. I've managed to turn something bad into something good, you know, and I've managed to now do it. For a full-time business you know that there's something i always say you know it always makes me chuckle yeah i was part of a job um on little park street police station in the city center you know and i got paid by the police to paint the police station whereas you look like 10 15 years ago 
I was getting chased and fined and nearly sent to prison by the police for graffiti. That's you know, and that that's switch amazing. is unreal, you know. Just yeah. And for those of you that follow us on social media, a lot of our pictures have got graffiti in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then they, and every yeah, single yeah. one of them was done by you. Yeah, man. You know, and I, I, I remember watching you do that. I think it's fucking amazing. You know, you'd see a blank wall. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. As you were slowly doing it, it was just incredible. And you did a lot of work for us, didn't you? Yeah, man. Yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. still there now, isn't it, Pete? It's beautiful. It's amazing, Lewis. Where can people see your work? Um, Instagram, um, uh, graphics, G-R-A-F-F-I-X underscore art, A-R-T. Yeah, and all my stuff's on Instagram. There's a, a website, graphics. You do some art, stuff at the Olympics? Olympics. Uh, no, not at the Olympics. I've done it in Coventry for... Um, Commonwealth. The Commonwealth, the Commonwealth Games. Commonwealth, that's what it was, yeah. 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 yeah, Commonwealth, that was it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was part of some walls around Coventry. For, Brilliant. For different parts yeah, yeah. and schools. And I remember you telling me a while back before it was going on, that was the Commonwealth, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's amazing, man. I was amazed how quick you were. Yeah. Because you're worried about getting caught, aren't you? Well, that's probably, yeah. Speed all is all amazing. Years, all right? years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your life like today? I know you're two years clean. What, what, how does life look for Lewis today? Good. You know, life, life's amazing. You know, I don't, I don't chase money anymore. You know, when I was caught in that rat race, I was chasing money all the time. You know, today I don't chase money. Since, since getting clean, I've, I've lost my dad as well. Losing my mum and my dad at such a young age has made me sort of reevaluate where I'm at and what I want from life, you know. So I like to do stuff that makes me happy, you know. I, I, don't, I don't chase this money and do stuff for other people. I don't people please all the time. I spend time with my missus, time with the kids, you know. I've, I've, I've proposed to my missus, you know. We've got a wedding book next year, you know. It's <coughs> all these things that I could never do, you know. I couldn't commit to anything, you know. Couldn't even commit to cleaning my bloody teeth, you know. And mm. now I've managed to commit to being married for the rest of my life, you know. And being uh, how do you feel about the, the marriage? Oh mate, it's amazing. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Two weeks ago, I, I sadly lost my nan. I'd say for the last two years, you know, thanks to thanks to being clean, I've managed to be a service to my nan. I've been there caring for her every day, uh, doing a shopping every week. You know, on a final day, I managed to sit in hospital with her all day. You know, and. It was really nice to be able to give back because I, I took at that yeah, time when yeah. I was upstairs using it. It was really nice to be able to give back. You've experienced a lot of loss at your age. Yeah. 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 You I've know, human through. loss. Yeah. Seeing, that's it sounds yeah. to me. What's the one thing you found? Recovery Lewis. and yeah, myself, yeah. you know. It's an ebb, ebb ongoing journey, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. You know, so like, like I say, these last two weeks since losing my nan, it's I've up my meetings because I know I need to, I need to be vigilant. I've upped my connection with people. The things that help me, I've upped, you know, yeah. and and it's amazing to be able to have that tool and have that, or, or them tools, you know, have them in my arsenal, ready to use whenever I need them, you know, and these are all things I've managed to learn. And yeah, that growth that I've had is un, unreal. I think you take your recovery very seriously. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to see, isn't it, Pete? Yeah, it is, yeah. Very seriously. It's the only way it works. Well, it's, it's a life or death situation. Yeah, it right. really is. And that's no exaggeration, no, is it? No, no exaggeration. We've lost a few people. We've lost a few people recently. Yeah. You know? And it's uh, it's sad. It really is. You know, that they didn't get the 
full opportunity to mm -hmm. to get themselves fully clean, you know, and and make it through. But it's just it's just it's, it's tragic that it didn't have to happen. Yeah, it didn't. Well, with most people who, who die from addiction issues or you know drug and alcohol issues problems, however you want to, it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen. No, but that's that's the that's the reality of it, you know. Yeah, but it does happen, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the reality it. of it. Yeah, you know, someone out there now in a bad way, yeah, a bit lost. I don't know what to do. Who to turn to? All right. If you could speak to them and give them one bit of advice, what would you like to say to that one person? You're not on your own. Mm -hmm. Straight away, that would be the first thing. You're not on your own because I remember when I was in the mix of it. I just felt on my own, mm. you know, just, just remember you're not on your own and there's, there's help out there from people like yourself, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to put the work in. There's loads of other nutters out there. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're Waiting to contact you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I went into a group of people and I looked all around, I was mental and nutters. What worried me more was I, I, I felt perfectly at home. Yeah. <laughs> and no one was using drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no drugs available there yeah. and everyone was mental. Yeah. Like, this is a bit of me. Yeah. <laughs> I think your story, Lewis, is um, well, it's incredible, powerful, really, mate. isn't it? You Very know, powerful. And what you went through in your formative years, where your pattern of behaviour led you, and then to what you've achieved in recovery, despite having loss, despite them highs and lows, you've remained clean. And it's just good to see someone take their recovery so serious. And that's why you are today, two years clean. The proof is in the pudding, as they say. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's as simple as that, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm going to put another question on you now. Yeah, that's it. Another spot now. <laughs> I want you to now leave a question for our next guest. Whoa. You don't know who it is, and I'll be honest, nor do I. Yeah, we don't know, we don't know yet, so. <laughs> so. And I will do my best to remember this time. So a question for our next guest, please, Lewis. Could be anything. What was the thought that made you fully surrender? What was that point where you got to and you realised that you had to fully surrender? Okay. You know, because that was a big thing for me. Yeah. It took me a while to get to that, that, that surrender point, you know. So, yeah, that was a hard one, that one. But it's a really good, good way to open up the next podcast. Good question, it? man. It's a really good question. Yeah, good question. Deep in thought, then. Yeah, I, I, was, I was digging <laughs> around, man. I was digging around. <laughs> so, Lewis, I want to thank you for, for joining us today. I think that some of the issues you spoke about were very raw. Um, and I think people listening will get a lot from what you've said, Lewis. I certainly did. There's things that I didn't know about you, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so I was getting to understand you more at the same time as yeah. our listeners. And it was really good. Really, really happy with that episode. You, Pete, great really, work. Really powerful. Really glad you came, man. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad, glad I'm here. It's good a privilege. Luck. Keep going. <laughs>